Welcome to the Arthurholics podcast. This is our second episode in a few days. It's our second loss in a few days. It's our second, yes, yeah, second on the whistle and second on the whistle recording after a loss. I mean, it's it's really tough times for us. I feel really sorry for us personally. And um, um guys, do you know what? Let let's just start. How do you feel? We've just so we've just lost we've just lost two one to Everton, uh beaten in in injury time. Um guys, how do you feel? Yeah, um, it's this like the the defeat on Thursday was it? We played United was was quite a tough one to take. It always is against United, um, and uh, but you kind of came away from that game thinking it's poss- probably not season defining. This this feels like a really kind of like big hammer blow um, for a number of reasons. Like in terms of the context of our season, um, like we obviously previewed this this game in the last episode. And it feels like, it feels like, off the back of that really good unbeaten run, um, everything's kind of come crashing down a little bit. And uh, I'm not sure if that was that was false hope that that run that we had that got us up to fifth. But uh, yeah, in the context of our season, it's a huge defeat, um, two defeats in a row, obviously. Um, and and when you look at the other weekend results as well, with the the teams around us and the teams that we are supposedly competing against for the sort of top uh, four, five, six places. Um, they all won. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, big defeat. And I mean, look, in terms of the game itself, I know we're going to get into it, so I'm not going to go too deep into it. But, um, I, uh, yeah, f- <laughs> I don't know what the right word is. Like, f- furious, pissed off, annoyed, um, bit of a shambles, really, or, 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 like when you look at everything, um, just a, a lot, a lot wrong today. Um, yeah, yeah, just just, just not very happy. I mean, like, like I said, following Thursday, I was disappointed. I was annoyed. It was frustrating. But I kind of accepted it as United are still a pretty good team um, and they're going to win a lot more games this season. Um, and they're sort of on their bounce back period. Um, we played them at the wrong time, maybe. But today was just, yeah, yeah, it was just, just farcical, really. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I think Myers nailed it, really. This just highlights where we are as a team. And, you know, we always knew that we had these characteristics as a team. We, you know, we always knew that we have the capability to lose games. That we, I don't think anyone thought we were going to win the league or we are going to go on a 15-game winning run. But... I think it's the manner and the way we lost. It was very much the worst of, you know, if you look at Arsenal over the last two years under Arteta and you think of like the worst points in, in terms of like bad decision-making, bad team selection, questionable tactics, questionable game management, all of that happened today. And it's, you know, it's just, you know, it's just completely unacceptable. There's no excuses really. And I think, like like you said, Mize, on Thursday, I think I came away from the game thinking, okay, fine, we lost, but I don't think we played that badly. And I don't think, you know, I don't think the manager made mistakes. I don't think the players made too many mistakes as such. I think it was just one where United took their chances and we were, you know, pretty poor in terms of finishing the chances. But today, you know, I think the manager made mistakes and the players on the pitch made mistakes. We didn't create enough. And then the chances we did create, we didn't finish. And we also, you know, defended pretty poorly as well, I thought. So 
it does. I think in terms of the context of the table, you're right, Mike. Like the results didn't go away, but I'm not too worried about. Okay, how does this affect our final league position? Because I think the teams around us will continue to drop points. But it's just really, really frustrating because it it just feels right now it's like once we've took we took one step forward, but now it feels like we've taken two steps back with these last couple of defeats and the Liverpool game as well. So yeah, really hard to see how we pick ourselves up from here. Now, I'm more, I think I'm a bit more concerned than you are, Aaron, with regards to kind of what it could mean for the rest of the season. Um, I think I think Mize was sort of, I think I'm, I'm maybe I'm going to just be consistent with some of what Mize's sentiments were. I, I think my my worry with this is the other teams. We're at this point now where where United have. Basically, they're they're now going to be on an upward trend. Where that's what all the evidence suggests. That, thanks, to us, right? that, that, thanks, to, thanks to us. Thanks to us. Well, you know, they drew at Chelsea, beat us, and then they won the last game. They've got this new manager coming in. It's all nicely, kind of, you know, everything would point to an upward trend. You had West Ham, who, you know, there's that hope. We're kind of saying, oh, West Ham will drop off. Well, West Ham will drop off. Okay, you know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. But to us, no one expected them to beat Chelsea the other day. They did. So it's a bit of a concern there. Tottenham may also still continue to do better under Conte. I think the concern for us is. If we ever were going to finish fourth, we had to rely on all those things not going so well over the course of a season and for us to maintain this habit of seemingly beating the teams that we're meant to beat because that seemed to be happening at least mm. where we sort of thought we were doing enough in terms of we've got enough of a defensive structure to deal with teams that aren't really better than us on paper. And and today it, it, it was... It just wasn't that, right? It was just it was just everything that everything that was going wrong against the better teams seemed to go wrong today against against Everton in in many respects. Well, okay, I think going over the top there, maybe more so with kind of more similar to what happened against United. Essentially, you know, we we just we didn't have to be very good today to get a result. We didn't have to do, be that good today at all, but we still managed to somehow lose. And the first half was was awful, yet we still managed to score. So we're given this lifeline. And I guess we'll get into the details of the game, but I'm a bit concerned now how ultimately for us to finish top four, I think, you know, it requires a lot more character and a lot more resilience than this. And we're not, we haven't done ourselves any favours at all, given the momentum that the other teams have started to show. So I'll ask a question that, you know, is the elephant in the room here is that do you guys blame the manager for this? And do you ultimately hold him accountable? So uh, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what you, you think, Mize, but I don't have, I don't actually have, I didn't actually have an issue with this team selection today. And I know that we disagree about that. We can get onto that. I don't really have an issue with this team selection just on the basis I think the team that he put out should be winning this game. But I do have a massive issue with the fact that he wasn't able to motivate our players and set us up even tactically or whatever, however you want to call it, tactics, motivation, however you want to call it, in-game changes. He wasn't able to do whatever he needed to do to win this game. And again, like I think here, we can't find we're a young team, but this is his second full season, you know? So he's he's had time. Um, so this isn't a case about needing time to get your ideas across and people to understand what you're talking about and trying to say, no, 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 that, that's not, that doesn't apply anymore. So I do blame him a lot for today, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I, I pretty much agree with, with what you just said, Raj. Um, and it was, a, it was a weird performance. Like you said, that first half was, 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 was poor. Um, we, 
we seem to go back we seem to go back to that kind of um phase in our arteta kind of evolution where we didn't have this this cutting edge and maybe it was because there was no over it could be a, one of a number of reasons really um uh and that's what we saw in that first half the second half i felt like was a bit of an improvement and i i say that i say that when i say an improvement i guess what i mean is in terms of chance creation we actually created quite a few decent openings and obviously two very very good chances the Enketia one and the uh Aubameyang one right at the right at the death um so but yeah i i, I basically agree with with what raj said i i didn't I, I think the team selection i don't think it was um a bad team selection i think he had to freshen things up i think forced his hand was forced a little bit with no smith row um you couldn't really argue with him dropping Aubameyang, um or pay, maybe not even necessarily dropping him as such but it's almost one of those where you take him out of the team to to sort of take him out of the limelight um and and you do what you did you bring him on with a period of time to go maybe he came on a bit too late but even the chance he he got he, he obviously missed um but yeah and, and jack are coming back in which was a bit of a surprise but he had an all right game i thought he seems to always have an all right game um and you can't argue with Tierney coming back in. So, like, apart from that, I don't know if there's anyone else that you would. I don't know, Aaron. It sounds like you feel like the team selection. You're not very happy with it, is it? Who... Um, I, I, I think the biggest thing I take issue with is dropping Abamyang. Like, I fully get that Abamyang has been poor for the last three or four games, or probably even longer. You could even argue all season. But I still think he is by far our best striker. Um, and therefore, you know, the alternative here is you play Lacazette up top slash, although he did play a bit deeper and he kind of Martinelli played up front. Um, I don't think Martinelli is really an out and out striker, at least hasn't shown enough in that role. I don't think, you know, what you get with playing Lacazette up front is that you get a bit more in terms of ball retention and holding the ball up top, but then you get nothing in the box. So I think, given the fact that we don't have anyone else, I just think to drop our best striker is just asking for, for too much to come from. It puts too much pressure on the rest of the team to fill that void. And I, I just, it seemed a bit reactionary and it seemed a bit over the top to me. Um, and I think he overthought everything. You could say that, yeah, he, maybe he put too much faith in Lacazette and Martinelli and and Saka as a trio to kind of replace what Obo gives, and maybe he has a right to expect that. But I don't know. I just think the the drop off in quality that you get when you take Aubameyang out of this team is just so much. It it didn't need to be done. I mean, it's. I think I think we can say that now, right off the back of watching what we saw and and in and, and in hindsight. But you know, you wouldn't have been surprised if Aubameyang had played the whole game or whatever, the first 80 minutes or 80 minutes, let's say basically the whole game, majority of the game. And we'd have come, uh, we'd, we'd, we'd be reacting to the game and, and, and talking about it with, with us saying, oh, Aubameyang was quiet today, wasn't he? Like that's just happened so many times. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're in, right. In recent, we could have yeah. played this game and we could have lost. And I, and I think, I think Raj said it earlier, right? The, the team that we put out was good enough to beat this Everton team. Cause this Everton team been awful. Um, like really, really bad. Um, so there's no excuses and I'm not saying we lost because of the team selection, but that, and then combined with the substitutions and kind of how we managed the game going forward, I thought just really didn't help us at all. 
Continuing with the thing, though, it's it's a tough one because, I mean, the, the bit that I disagree with you on, uh, Aaron, and is I don't think it was reactionary. I don't, I don't think we could say it was a reactionary thing to drop over because it's not like he had one bad game or two bad games and all of a sudden Arteta's got angry and dropped him. There's something that's not really been working for a little while now. And, and there's been a couple of games where he might have scored, but that's not, there hasn't, there's only a couple of games where I can think, oh, Oba's played a great game. I can think of the Tottenham game where I thought he had a great game. I, I can't think of that many games where he said but is that a great game so so i'm not sure if it's reactionary and i think that you, you said it yourself which was correct which is that i think effectively what he went he did is he didn't try and do a like for like replacement he sort of said well, if I, I i have to change the system if i don't play over i can't just play lacquer in the same system as a center forward and do all the same things and there probably was a rationale where he tried to play lacquer in a way where lacquer you know is going to drop deeper do some of the things that he's good at and try and create spaces and etc for other players to run in and maybe look whatever it was it didn't really work right it didn't it didn't, yeah. it didn't yeah. work um but but again i think to my point i mean what, what would you do at the end of the day if we played the same formation if we play over up front and Oba doesn't do anything for ninety minutes. You know he's going to look. Uh, Arteta's going to look like a right idiot for not for not changing anything up, right? No, I don't know. I just think we know what the alternatives are when we take Aubameyang out of the team. It's this. It's and we've seen that before when Aubameyang has been out of the team in past in past like periods. The team looks equally as rubbish. It's not like. We've tried other things. Lacazette has come on and started scoring 15 goals. I think Lacazette scored one goal all season. Um, but, but I don't know, we, we, can't, we can't say... So even if I agree with some of the sentiment there, like we're going to have to move off Ober at some point, right? And it might not be a case where we can just get a striker directly replace him and we can play the same system. Arteta probably has to try and figure out different systems and ways in which we can score to facilitate. But does that, does that, did that need to be done today? I guess the question is, you know, we know the alternatives are, in my opinion, worse. The, I think we just need, it just put unnecessary pressure on when it didn't need to be done. And I think that... When would have been a good time? I mean, you, can you argue that playing... When we have a better striker, when we have a better plan B. We we just oh, don't well, have okay. oh, so you mean yeah. All right, so you mean not trying it until basically we sign a new striker? Yeah, I think there are there are players in this team, unfortunately, because of the lack of alternatives, are basically undroppable. And I think, in reality, unfortunately, um, Aubameyang is probably one of them because the drop-off in quality is just so much. It's interesting. I mean, look, I personally don't think we didn't win the game today because Aubameyang didn't start. So, so I think when you look at it like that, um, I feel like basically, yeah, the players that we put out, it was more than enough there for us to win the game. Um, and I think the other thing that we probably, we haven't t- talked about and, and maybe we, a game like today makes us realize is how big ESR is for us in terms of getting the ball from, from back to front. Um, you know, obviously in the attacking parts of the game and in the attacking third, you know, and he's obviously been delivering like his output in terms of assists and goals has been there this season as well. And, and clearly we missed him today. Um, and it would have been interesting to see if he had a play, but with, let's say, Lacazette uh, up front or Erdegaard alongside him or, you know, whatever the options would have been, um, maybe would have been a different performance. Because I do feel like, genuinely do feel like, like, I don't know if you guys remember, the Newcastle first half was at home as well, was pretty flat. And then they came out in the second half and obviously turned it up a notch and, and we ended up getting the win. But it wasn't a fantastic performance and it felt like it was kind of a bit like, wasn't really a similar kind of game in terms of the balance of play, but it feels like it just needed that extra bit of quality for us in midfield or in attacking midfield for us to then 
um, yeah, create a little bit more or, or or dominate a little bit more in that that part of the field and I, part sorry part of the pitch. And I just I don't know. I'm not sure. Like yeah, I, I can't disagree with you, Aaron, in that. Aubameyang's our best striker, but I don't know if he would have made the difference today if he had a No, well, made, yeah, we'll never know. I think season, yeah. you're, you're spot on then. The loss of ESR was massive. Hmm. I, like, I can, I've said it for a long time that I don't think we've ever looked good when he hasn't played. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I don't think, you know, just generally reading around social media, people really appreciate how big a loss him he he is, and also like a player like Saka. I think those two are by far our two best players. You take them out, and we are, you know, we go down considerable levels. Yeah, let, let's talk about some of the individual performances in a little bit more detail shortly. Let's cover some of the instants in the game first. I mean, the first half there really wasn't anything. It, it, I think we all nearly fell asleep, didn't we? I mean, it was it was, like, it was genuinely, genuinely, genuinely a terrible terrible half an hour of football which got mildly better for 10 minutes with probably the most exciting thing in that 10 minutes being this instant that I think no one noticed at the time but suddenly it went to VAR and um you know it was Godfrey the Godfrey stamp on Tomiyasu um I mean Aaron and what did you think I thought I think they analyzed it quite well at halftime on Sky Sports where I think Gary Neville said he probably did mean it but it's very hard for VAR to send him off based on you know what they saw which is you can't you can't really prove he deliberately did it because i think he covered it covered it up quite well um do you think him not looking whenever, at him was a was yeah yeah just the way he grace. the way he styled it out yeah. um but yeah I, I i'm not too annoyed with that i think it you know i think it's just very hard to prove and i think it's yeah it's just unfortunate the way it happened. So yeah, I think sometimes, you know, ref might give it, but I can also see why they didn't give it. So I personally wasn't completely outraged by that tackle. Um, I thought there were others that were probably worse, Mm. for example, later on, but, um, and generally I thought Everton were just, you know, really rough on some of the tackles and some of them definitely deserved bookings, if not more. Um, But yeah, for that one, I think I might be in the minority here, but I I wasn't too annoyed by it, to be honest. What, Miles, do you agree? Even though I think he meant it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think Aaron and summarised it quite well. You, 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 by, by, when you watch it back, the, the, the amount of force he generates, it, the amount of force he generates makes it looks like, makes it look like it is deliberate, but yeah, his face, his sort of basic, yeah, where he looks, his, his sort of facial expressions or where his eyes go, you can't, you can't tell. So, um, yeah, it's probably quite difficult to, to send him off. But look, we we look at it as Arsenal fans, and it looks like a bit of a harsh one against us because um, he's been stamped in the face, basically. So, um, yeah, but you know, nil nil at that point. So still, and and, and mm. a whole half and half and a bit to play. So the thing that makes it look a bit bit you know a bit like a bit intentional is because. He was basically dirty for the whole game, wasn't he? Afterwards, yeah, he gets yeah, exactly. he only gets a yellow card, I think, after about sixty minutes, and he he had made a lot of a lot of questionable tackles, particularly on Saka. I thought Saka was getting targeted mm-hmm. by by him for a lot uh, a lot of the game. But then we're getting back to that. So that that happens, things liven up very slightly, and then in the last five minutes of the first half, it all starts getting a bit crazy. We we concede a goal from a set piece. Well, we think we concede a goal, and then it's um and it's ruled out for VAR. I mean, my like talk us through that did you think it was a foul in the first place 
What was the foul? Remind me. What was the foul again? I think it was a coming together where it looked like I think it was Lacquer who I think was a judge to have fouled him in the end. It looked it looked to me like they thought that Lacquer tripped him up, but I remember just sort of afterwards going through Twitter, some people sort of seemed to suggest that. Oh, actually, I, I, I can't even remember the foul to be honest. So I guess it wasn't in my mind at the time. It wasn't no, that contentious. It. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't that contentious. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I think you know that was a that was a big let off. Um, uh, it was poor defending. Poor defending. It was a good delivery. Good delivery, and obviously a very good header. But um, poor defending from us, and we just got lucky really with the offside, didn't we? Like, is it Tommy Asu just happens to be playing offside at the far post because he's sort of been dragged um, further yeah. back towards our goal? Isn't there's no there's no plan of playing playing him offside or anything so um yeah just just pure luck really but yeah the the, the warning signs were clearly there from from uh richarlison uh throughout the game obviously yeah and, and then um so that's richarlison's first disallowed goal and then a couple of minutes later you know we, we referenced the fact that we missed esr because like in the newcastle game when things are a bit drab you you need a moment of quality and and really like you know, for for a terrible performance, particularly in possession from us, it, it was a moment of quality. Really, you know, the the cross and the finish were were both really really good moments, weren't they? I mean, Aaron, what do you think? Yeah, it was probably the only bit of quality or game that we produced, for being honest, um, in terms of end product at least. Um, so, yeah, really good ball in. Uh, Martinelli does well to kind of just uh, hold his position and move some defenders away, and then. Um, yeah, just a really, really good finish from Odegaard. So at that point, I was, you know, it was so against the run of play in terms of what we deserved because I thought we were awful. Like I was literally in the middle of tweeting my rage about how bad we'd been that first half and saying we didn't deserve anything from that first half because we were so bad and we, and we went and, sc- and scored. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would, it was just an awful first half nonetheless from both teams, actually, I thought. But yeah, we got the goal, and at that point, we should have started to make something of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just just focusing on the finish again. You know, this is Odegaard's second goal in two games. Two two really good finishes, right? You know, the good right foot finish against United, good left foot finish. Um, he's a player who brings a lot of energy to the team. You know, whatever the case, he works very hard off the ball. I thought today in the first half. Like it, there wasn't really much to shout about at all. But if 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 I was to pick a, a player who probably played the best in the first half, it might have been either him or Saka. Um, is it? Yeah, is it? Was he a, was he a positive really for you in this first half? Could you see him becoming a player who scores goals more regularly? Can he get ten to fifteen goals for us in the Premier League a season? I don't know. I don't. So I don't know if that question was directed to him. Yeah, go for it, Mice. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you'll get 10 to 15. I think that's quite a big number, to be honest. Um, and I don't think he's ever really been a player that scored a huge number or, you know, a huge number of goals in his career, albeit a short career. Um, no, no, he, he, he was, he was, he was, he was good today. He was, he was good when you look at, he was good, um, I guess, when you say compared to a number of the other players, but I don't, I don't think he had an absolutely kind of, storming game or anything he was he was just good um that he's a player that we all really like as arsenal fans because of our traditionally the kind of midfielders that we've had going back um to the to under arsene wenger um and he's quite similar to that very tricky player always likes receiving the ball kind of always on the half turn um quite skillful 
and he's always looking forward. He's always looking for a through ball. I think the thing that I feel kind of feel a little bit sorry for him at the moment is he doesn't really seem to have a striker to to feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's something that we need to address in the next season or or two with with our current uh, striker situation. And and things may change quite dramatically for him. I could see his numbers going going up quite a bit um, in terms of assists. But yeah, look, in terms of goals, like fair play. And he obviously scored the free kick against Burnley um, a, a month or two ago. So yeah, like, you know, we we, do, we need that. Like, we said this in the last episode, right? The strikers are not delivering goals at the moment. We need goals from other sources. So um, yeah, Saka, Smithrow, Erdegaard, um, we're absolutely going to need need the goals from these guys. So if he can get 10 to 15, then amazing. I'd be very, very, but I'd be quite surprised if he got into double figures, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... You highlighted that point quite well, Mize, which is it's really hard to analyse any attacker in this system and their contribution to the team because of the fact that, A, we're not really creating too many chances, at least not consistently, and then the chances that we do create, we seem to be missing loads of them. So, you know, in isolation, you know, the fact that Erdogan scored two goals in two games now is good. The fact that they are, are only two goals is not so good, um, and just even the kind of wider context of this whole season, the fact that Smith Rowe is scoring goals is good. The fact that Erdegaard is scoring goals is good, but you know, again, when you put them up with the fact that no one else is scoring goals and there are, there are only goals that are coming this season, that's the bigger concern. Which is like, okay, well, what is this? Is this system? Is that the result of the system? And is that like the system over prioritizing these midfielders and kind of wide players to get the goals in place of the striker? Or is it just the fact that the striker isn't scoring goals and these midfielders are kind of compensating and almost covering up that fact? Hmm. And that's that's the concern for me. Um, but then you're right, Mice, as well. Like the fact that if we have a, a striker, it just feels like it has the potential to transform not just the raw goals that we score, but also the players around that striker as well so yeah it's just such a a huge position that we need to get right and fix. yeah exactly i mean like yeah if we had a world-class striker, and it's easy to say this right and it probably applies to a number of number of teams but if we had a i don't like using the term world-class but you know if we had a top striker kind of in form at his peak um it kind of unlocks erdegaard in my opinion um I don't know who that player is and we're not going to talk about that now. But yeah, so I feel like, you know, he's he's doing all the right things and you can see like when he picks up the ball and he's sort of 40 odd yards from goal, he is looking for the runners. He's looking for a runner through the middle and he's looking for runners either side of him. He's always looking for Saka or Tomiyasu kind of towards that right-hand side and he will pick them out. Like he will make the pass like more often than not. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that obviously. But yeah, like he, he, had, a, he had a decent game overall. All you say. But do you think an option for Arteta is still looking at, you know, he'll look at Man City and he'll look at Liverpool and say, well, arguably, you know, they don't have a number nine who's smashing out 20 goals a season, right? They they figured out systems to be able to get lots of goals from lots of areas. And granted that the players that they've got compensating in those other positions are world-class players, like genuinely world-class players. So so fair enough. But just even from the, the, the case of a system, you know, and just thinking that, fine, we might not even want to get top three, but let's just say if it's 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 fourth or whatever. Don't you think that Arteta can try and figure out a system which actually still gets us attacking more, creating more opportunities, like just being more progressive, um, even without a, a, a top centre-forward? 
Yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's not about necessarily getting a world-class striker in terms of goals. It's about world-class striker in terms of... Not even world-class, but a, a top striker in terms of fit. Yeah. Um, and in terms of like, okay, well, what is... What do you want a striker to do in this system? Mm. And what is the role of the striker? Is it to run in behind? Is it to drop deep? Is it, you know, in reality, it's probably a bit of both. Is it someone you want to kind of go out wide for a bit to allow someone someone else to come inside? And, you know, how do you want them to press? Do you not want them to press? And it's, you know, I, I, yeah, I do say like, okay, look, Aubameyang clearly isn't the right fit, nor is Lacazette. But I do still have my doubts in terms of what is the, clarity that they're being given from Arteta in this system because it you know I you know we're all kind of putting our hope on this striker coming in and fixing everything Mm. but I think it's also fair to say are we making the most of the players that we have because I don't think Aubameyang all of a sudden is a a bad striker yeah he's you know he's not finishing some of the chances and he should be finishing those chances that's not down to tactics or system but Maybe you could argue that you could still get more out of the players that we have, especially with a batting up front. Yeah, because you know, and we'll get onto it now um, because ultimately there were a lot of missed chances. But but like you say, for for a lot of the first for pretty much all of the first half and a large portion of the second half, if we had a world class strike, probably wouldn't have made any bloody difference because you know we weren't really doing anything to you yeah. know get the ball in the box or whatever. But you know, just going on to the second half. Um, it looked like we started the second half in a, in a decent manner, to be honest. And then, as seems to often happen with Arsenal, we we, we don't really capitalise on that. The opposition look like they've scored, right? And so Richarlison, um, uh, he, 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 I can't remember exactly who it was that took the shot in the first place. Um, but the shot cut. But the shot. The shot goes, and, and, and it's a great save by Ramsdale, right? That, that tips it onto the bar. Am I getting the order of things right? By yeah. the way, uh, they, no. they, they, yeah, 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 you are. Yeah. yeah. No, it was the offs. We talk. No, the offs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, right? Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is the, this is the, the yeah exactly. This is the this is the right order. Sorry, I've, I confused myself, but we're all good. Oh. So <laughs> the shot comes in, great save, hits the crossbar, bounces out, and Richarlison scores the header. Which well, it it, lo- it looks like he scored the header, right? Um, Oh no! Hang on. No, the header was. You the are yeah, 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 yeah. I have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been one of those nights. So yeah, you're, yeah. so the so the offside oh, so, yeah, goal yeah, was yeah. the um, he's put through. He's put through, and uh, he finishes it kind of uh, in front of well Ramsdale's near post, but um, yeah, 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 that one, yeah. Yeah, so, so that so that so that happens. It's another marginal offside, like literally like a toenail. Looks like a you know. So we 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 could probably consider ourselves a little bit lucky, but yeah, okay. By the letter of the law, it's offside, so fine. Mm. Um, so that happens, but still. You know, we don't we, we don't really take advantage of it. Uh, we don't really play remarkably better afterwards. It doesn't like really really guys us up. It, it it seems to kind of really kind of g them up. Um, they continue uh, sort of growing into the game more and more, and then they do score their goal eventually. Uh, and it's Richarlison who gets the goal that you know the third time lucky, I guess two two offside goals, and then he scores this one. Um, it was a, a shot, great save. Uh, I can't remember who takes a shot, but it's a great save, fantastic save. Um, that we've become accustomed to from Ramsdale. Unfortunately, it goes off the bar and straight to Richarlison, who is onside. Um, and I, so I suppose it's one of those things where you can't really blame the defenders for not picking him up, can you? Because it's one of those, it comes off the crossbar and he just happens to be at the right place at the right time. What do you guys think? 
Got yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't too angry about the defending itself. Yeah, I thought actually he did really well to finish it and react. Um, I'm sure if you're being ultra critical, we could watch it again and say, yeah, you should react faster. You should follow the shot in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it was, yeah, it was. I mean, it, yeah, I, yeah. I wasn't too annoyed by that. Yeah, same maybe way. I should be. I don't know. No, I don't think so, mate. I think it was it was a very it was Damari Gray again for the for the for the shot that hit the bar that Ramsdale right. saved. So that was a really good shot, and it was a, another ridiculous save from Ramsdale. And unfortunately, it's one of these where it won't get mentioned because obviously they've, they've scored from it. Yeah. But it was another fingertip sta- uh, save, full stretch. Um, and yeah, I think from that point on, there's very little you can really say. Like, it doesn't I don't think you can really criticize us. It 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 the way it comes back to Richarlison it comes back to him he just he just adjusts really really quickly um mm. and and does really really well to direct the header back um and over ramsdale um and get the perfect amount of power onto it but it comes basically right into his path so there's no way that any other arsenal player is gonna get there first so um yeah no i, I mean i don't think you can really criticize us defensively from for the goal specifically um, but more so just generally the way the game was kind of panning out and we were letting Everton, mm. you know, dominate us and we weren't doing what we should be doing in more often in games, which is taking the game to the other team to try and, you know, finish the game essentially and get second, which we just didn't. Yeah, just didn't so I, yeah I, was just, I just had to look back to refresh my memory of like how that second half played out. But so on the 65th minute, we took off Tierney for Tavares, which again, I think was a fairly logical substitution given the circumstances around Tierney's fitness. But I felt at that point, we really kind of lost control of the game. And then on the 71st minute was um, when we took off Martinelli and brought Eddie and Ketier on, which we should definitely discuss. And then they scored on the 79th minute. And for me, I felt kind of around the 70th, between the 70th and 75th minute, we were really under the pressure, under pressure. And, I don't know what you guys felt, but I I felt at that point I was like, okay, I think we're going to lose this game. Um, mm, it was interesting, in that, though, wasn't it? Because sorry, carry on, go on. Yeah, no, I just felt like we were just not in the game at all. We weren't winning anything. Second balls, the midfield was non-existent. Partey and Jacker at that point, you know, almost stopped playing, uh, and it was just the crowd were well up for it. And I thought mm. there is no way. I was like, we're definitely not winning this game. And there is a big chance of us losing this game. And you could see it coming. I mean, when when they you know, when they scored their winner, we'll talk about it. Were you guys surprised? Were you like, okay, that's against the run of the play. We totally didn't deserve that. I don't think we did because we completely gave up. We just stopped competing. I don't know about that. Actually. I, I, I didn't. So I thought after they scored... Um, I, I sort of felt then it became quite end-to-end and it felt like both teams were trying to go for a winner. And I recall there being quite a few instances, particularly in the last five minutes before they scored their winner, mm. where we were getting in quite dangerous positions. I think Odegaard a couple of times had had the ball kind of in and around the box, tried to get a shot off. There were two blocks. It, it felt like we were still trying to do stuff. It almost felt like we came to life a little bit more after they actually equalized but you know probably should have come to life between that disallowed goal at least and you know yeah. the point where they equalized uh, but it felt like it could have gone either way and it was um like you say like you know it was it was strange substitute it's a strange set of substitutions um which maybe we should just let's just reflect on that now before we just finish up so you know Eddie come any Eddie comes on 
And it's the second time he's come on in two games. It's the second time he's come on in two games before the likes of Pepe. He came on before Aubameyang today. It's also the second time in two games since this decision apparently well this you know it's come out in the press anyway that he has rejected his last contract offer and you know it seems quite clear that he's going to leave on a free i think that makes that you know it, it makes sense to me that he wouldn't sign a contract i think you know it, mm-hmm. it logically makes but again you know and aaron maybe I'll, you know because 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 you were the one who would who, who i think you know was passionately surprised um well actually i think we we're all passionately surprised but um I mean, what did what did you think when he came on? Like, what 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 rationale did you have at all? None. There was no there was no there was no <laughs> rationale to bring him on, and I'm still annoyed by that substitution, um, because I think I read that before he came on at Old Trafford, he hadn't played a single minute of Premier League football, oh, um, really? and then we brought him on at Old Trafford, didn't do anything, and I feel I feel really guilty for you know having a go at Eddie because he's an academy player, he's a young player. And all of a sudden, you know, he's being just thrust into these situations where, you know, I don't even think he thinks he probably deserves to be coming on. Um, so, um, and then today, why have why have we what what has he done in his career in his senior career to show that he is the player that can solve the problems that we were having? He's not he's not the type of player that's going to be able to run in behind. He's not the type of player that's going to be able to hold the ball. The only situation where he has proven that he can be useful is putting away chances. But we're not a team that's creating chances for him to put away. But does, um, does now, it not look? End, it, does it not end up looking like a masterstroke though if he ends up scoring that goal where he hits the post? Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that I still think it was a bad substitution. Hmm. Um, and you know, you mentioned. I think you mentioned this after we after the United game, Raj, where you said, "I wonder if it's contract related," and I was like, "No." we can't be prioritizing contract decisions over kind of football or tactical decisions, but I'm, I'm almost, you know, fair enough. It happens one game, but to happen two games in a row in this situation where he hasn't come on at all for the whole first, you know, 12 games of the season or whatever it's been, it almost makes me think, hang on a sec, maybe there is something there with the contract and whole, the whole kind of player valuation side of things, which where they're trying to force something that might not need to be forced because, Again, there's no there's no reason why. Fair enough, the the, the Pepe situation is weird enough as it is. Very there's weird. no reason why you don't bring a Bamiyang on before Eddie. It just it, doesn't make sense. It, yeah, well, it was weird. Was yeah, go on, yeah, go on, go, no, go, go on. Anyway, no, no, just just to kind of follow on, it, it, it was it was really really weird. Um, it was weird when he came on against United. It was even more weird tonight, like you said, with the Bamiyang on the bench. It was like. <laughs> Because it was Martinelli that got injured and had to come off, it was it was like he, like obviously Eddie played down that left hand side. I don't think I've ever seen him play there before, and it was like Arteta was trying to. I don't know if he's one of these ones where he's just trying to prove a point about Abamyang. I'm not sure. Um, by bringing Eddie on, it's almost like sending him a message to to say, yeah, look, you know, you might be our captain, you might be our highest earner, but that doesn't mean that. I'm going to bring you on or, or some, some bullshit like that. I don't know. But um, yeah, like it's just really, really questionable now that that decision, like, like Aaron and said, you know, you mentioned the contract, um, you know, you proposed, was it, you proposed the idea of it being around the contract. Um, and I, I, I was with Aaron. I was just like, it can't be surely not like, surely not. He just must've really been impressing in training. And that may still be the case. Yeah. That may still be the case, but it just like, 
I don't know how we, I don't know, like we've had enough of this stuff, like as, as Arsenal fans the last few years, like the Ozil thing and like Guendouzi and fucking Mustafi and all these other players, you know, like all these players, I mean, I'm probably picking on, on Mustafi there, but like there's been so many players where the contract situation has been like discussed and caused so many, like just so much, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just um, noise problems for us. Yeah, yeah. Just, just, just yeah. you know, squad uh, unrest is probably the term I'm looking for. Yeah, and like it feels like now maybe this is another one. Um, and I don't know if it's like a Mikel Arteta thing where he's really just trying to lay down the law for for whatever reason against Bamiyang. Or maybe I'm looking into it too much. But um, yeah, look, I mean, we've got to talk about the chance he missed as well, right? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I guess there's a thing right? we could probably turn around and say. Yeah, bring on Eddie. I think. Look, I think we all agree it's baffling to bring on Eddie. Whatever the case, it's 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 weird. We can only say that. If, okay, look, it's got it's bizarre if it's to do with the contract. Technically, it's possible that this is going to get up his tribunal valuation. In, in theory, that's possible, but that's still, I think, really left field. It, it's possible that Arteta probably looks at it and thinks, "Oh, look, it, he's going to want to put himself in the shop window, so he's going to be motivated to score." Right. So but based on what? Based on like what? When? When has? When has he ever still scored goals? He's not in the team because, unfortunately for him, he's just not good enough. Yeah. Um, and he's shown that consistently. Unfortunately, that he is nowhere near the level that we need him to be. Um, mm. In a situation in a team which is desperate for a quality striker to step up and take that chance, he unfortunately hasn't been able to take it. So. Why, literally, in the last two games, we have suddenly decided he is a guy to come on and change things? But I, I wonder um, if if some of it is just to do with Aubameyang's form, and he's going well. Like, he needs somewhat. He, need, he needs to give himself options, Arteta, doesn't he? If he's going to try and play without over even in the short term, he's, he's got to try something. But uh, look, look, I, look, I'm, I'm just as, I'm just as baffled as you guys overall. Um, but I, I guess we've got you know we we did bring on over and. Ninety fifth minute, it's it's virtually the last kick. He gets a really nice chance, doesn't he? Pies. I mean, what? What? I mean, like, what do you think? Both of them, right? Like, if you, I mean, if we talk about both of them together, both, you know, we have a go about like, is it Eddie? Is it Ober? But actually, both of them miss really, really good chances to score goals. Yeah, I mean, Mars, is it as simple as should Ober score that goal? Oh yeah, I mean, like it's bread. It should be bread and butter for him, like. Uh, I don't. There's there's nothing you can say. Uh, there's not there's yeah, there's nothing you can say to defend him basically for that miss. It doesn't matter if he's in bad form like that. You're, I, I don't like using the whole you're earning this much, therefore you should be doing what you should be doing. But you know, like you're Just say it anyway. Say it. Yeah, no, but you're, <laughs> you're captain of Arsenal Football Club. Whether that means anything anymore or not, I don't know. But you know, ultimately, you are the captain. You're our main strikers. Everyone keeps saying you didn't start the game. Um, you've been missing chances. You missed the Newcastle chance. You've been missing penalties all season. You know, you've been pretty poor. Uh, here's your opportunity to just go and make yourself a, a sort of a hero because it gets us an equaliser in the game that we still should be winning. But, you know, a last minute equaliser is a last minute equaliser. Like, kind of like what Lacazette did against Palace. Um and he's got, you know, like, it's not a chance that's come at him at a funny angle. He's got to adjust his body or it's a volley or whatever. Like, there's no there's no one near him. He's got plenty of time to watch it come. come Like, Eddie does really well, actually, on the left-hand side because he turns and mm. he attacks and he carries a ball, plays a good ball, and Gabriel dummies it. And um, he's got all that time from, like, from when Eddie passes it to 
to decide what he's going to do, whether he goes with his left and tries to bend it in like far post or hits it with his right, whether he goes with power, whether he side foots it. And he just, he just fluffs it completely. Like he's not even close. He's not even close. Like he's not even, he's, he's a few yards wider of the far post. And like, I get it when strikers are not in form, you know, a lot of the time they'll miss chances in games. And I guess that's why he's been taken out of the team. But at the same time, if you've, if you've been brought on for the sole reason of, if a chance lands for you, you need to take it in a game that we're 2-1 down in, or we, we were by that point. Like, uh, yeah, you can't defend him. You just can't defend him. I don't know what's going on with him. I, d- I don't know what, what it is. It, maybe it's just a form thing, but just a shocking, like two shocking misses. Like the Eddie one was bad. That one was really, really bad. Um, yeah. So then Arte, do you think Arteta can turn around and say, well, you know, you can all have a go at me for, for not playing progressive. You can have a go at me for, you know, how we played in the first half, whatever. But 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 I made substitutions. We created chances towards the end and my strikers really should score those goals. It's not my fault. No, I don't think you can say that. No. I think, fair enough, if we're playing Man City away and we missed two chances in a really tight game, <laughs> you can say, okay, fine. Uh, we had two really good chances. If we'd taken those, it would have been a different game. But those were like the literally, literally the probably only two chances where we probably, that we created where we had a decent chance. I know that Odegaard had a half chance, but we just aren't creating anywhere near enough um, chances of high quality. Yeah, we're creating a few half chances here and there, but just systematically, the it looks like the midfield and the attack just aren't clicking again. And we had this brief period where I thought we were okay. Even again, even at Old Trafford, I thought we created enough to make it work. But today it was just awful. I thought, you know, everyone on the pitch pretty much except the back four were just really, really bad at progressing the ball forward and creating chances. And that that's on the manager. We, he needs to pick a team and coach them to say this is how you guys should work together to create chances as a team. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that. But but I, I agree with that, Aaron. And, and I think we started talking about this on WhatsApp. Um, while I agree with you, I still don't think we should have lost today. I still I still don't think it was a game. 1-0 up with how long? I don't know when we conceded the first goal, like tw- 20 minutes to go or 10 minutes ago, mm. something like that. 1-0 <clears throat> uh, up with, with not very long to go. And even at 1-1, the Eddie chance falls. And that is a sitter for me. There's no, like, yeah, it is. it's an absolute sitter. And then, okay, that doesn't go away. Then we go and concede. And then 2-1 down, another absolute sitter. And our, our like, you know, uh, uh, our world-class, he's not world-class anymore, but, you know, our, our, our best best striker, number one striker, fluffs his lines as badly as that. Like, I just don't, however badly we played, there were enough, there was enough, Chance because Everton weren't particularly great either. I didn't think. I didn't think it left them no. particularly way. They didn't have much of the ball. I think we had most of the ball. I haven't seen the stats, but I'm assuming we did from from watching the game. Um, and yeah, like there was there were, there were we <laughs> kind of I don't know. I just I just don't think that for everything for all the criticism criticism that Arteta deserves off the back of that performance, and he does, and there are questions to be asked. I still think the players on the pitch uh, could have easily changed the result where we could have just snatched a draw at the end or or, or yeah snatch a draw at, at the very least yeah i think it's maybe snatching a draw but ultimately if we had scored three goals from those three chances mm. 
that is us being really, really clinical. And just generally in football, it very rarely happens that teams only create three chances and take no. and take all three of them. No, I agree with that. But then there were the Erdegaard did he had two. One where it came onto his right foot and he cut inside on his left, it got blocked. And another one where he hit it on his left and it was blocked as well. Like but they're probably hard. I don't think it's enough. I think it's not it's not enough. It's not enough. But then it, but I agree. It's not enough, right? We should be, we should have come, this game should have been us dominating possession and creating 20 or chances and seven or eight of them being on target with Pickford being kept busy and, you know, all of that. Like that's what it should have been based on the league table, based on the quality of our first or our squad versus them and all of that. And, and the, and the predicament that they've been in for the last yeah. seven or eight games, the game didn't transpire that way. But then that's at that point when, we should, those chances, at least one of those, at least one of those, if not both, I can't even excuse either either of the misses. And I think just, mm. just based on those two absolutely golden chances, they weren't half chances. One was a point blank header where he's got like a couple of, like he's got the entire time the ball's in flight and Ketty I'm talking about to watch the ball come over. I think he must give Lacazette a shout to leave it because Lacazette is about to jump and then he stops. So he's obviously made the decision that he's going to go for it, and he just he just completely screws it up. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, I know, we could talk about this to death, right? But like both chances and the Aubameyang one, I just feel like there's no excusing those misses. So it could have been Arteta in charge. It could, could have been Pep Guardiola. It could have been um, Arsene Wenger. It could have been any legendary manager. Like if they're the players that you've got at your disposal and they're missing those sorts of chances when you are opening up the defense, like when you are getting a player like Saka on the ball and he's putting a quality delivery like that, when you are getting Abamyang into space to, to 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 you know hit a shot across the keeper and just put it in the corner and they're not doing it. I don't think that falls on the manager personally. I think overall the performance does, but I think when you're missing those sorts of chances, that just falls on the players and the yeah, individual. Yeah, fine. And I think that's when it comes back to the quality of the players, like you've been saying. And Kessie is just not good enough. So, like you look at yesterday, right? Uh, not yesterday, Saturday, Liverpool, nil nil. They bring on Origi, right? And a lot of Liverpool fans, like I've got a few Liverpool mates. I don't know if your Liverpool mates are the same, but they don't rate Origi. They 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 completely like rinse him. Not rinse him, but they they take the mickey out of him as being a pretty substandard player. But Origi comes on and with a much uh with a much harder finish or a harder chance. It's not even a chance really, because he's back to goal. I don't know if you guys have seen the Liverpool winner yeah. from the other night. Um back to goal and he basically creates a goal out of a what is a, a half chance when he receives the ball. And I think that's that's partly the difference where we're bringing on someone like Eddie and expecting him to do a lot. And they're bringing on a guy who scored in the Champions League final, for example. And he's, he's a regular for Belgium, you know, international footballer. And he doesn't make their first team because they've got such good players uh, besides him. So that's where maybe, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, go on. No, no, I think I, I agree. I think we, based on the quality of chances that we did have, even though we had very few, we should have taken more than we did. However, I almost think actually that would have papered over. Oh yes, absolutely. Can't disagree with that. The performance itself was, in my opinion, atrocious. It was, it was. And if, if we had come away from that, we, you know, there's, there's a situation that we take those two chances and we even win the game. And even then I would say, actually, maybe we have, I mean, it's, it's almost like, like glass half empty, half full, type situation with our season which is okay you look at it from the fact that you say okay we're in and around the race for a top four we still are and therefore that's that's really good or you look at it and say actually like the games and the points that we have got they've been in situations and most largely in situations where we have you know taken the two out of the three chances that we've we've created and come away with the three points and 
you know, I don't, I don't know what the right answer is and where, like, how to assess this team, but you can't escape from the fact that a lot of our points have come from situations like you've described, Mize, where we we create two good chances, we score those two chances, we don't do anything else, and we and we come away with the three points. It's very rare that we, you know, that we deserve to win games nowadays mm. purely on the basis of performance because we're just not performing at that level I, I said this last week i said look we're I, I thought we'd win but i thought we weren't deserved to win um that we're not good enough to kind of dominate teams um but you know today we didn't dominate but we also lost the game and that's that's the bigger concern uh, have you learned anything new about this team after today and or has your mind changed about anything mice do you want to go yeah i i think like after the the defeat at old trafford like i was saying earlier i think i think this was like a, a bit of a crux game um for for the team for arteta it was all about the reaction off the back of quite a disappointing defeat um and i think you know, like I said, the other teams winning earlier in the in the weekend, it did, it probably did put a bit of pressure on us. I'm not making excuses. I'm saying maybe this is how the players came into it. Um, but look, to answer your question, I think it has slightly altered uh, where I see this team compared to before the United game. Like I genuinely did think because we were we the defense had been so solid um, in general terms across the last like ten ten games or so, and. I guess maybe it was just a case of like everything was looking really, really good. Not everything, but you know, results were looking really, really good. Um, uh, and I did, I didn't think we'd lose at Old Trafford. I didn't think we'd lose today. So um, the game today, I, I kind of accepted the Old Trafford defeat on the basis that we, we we would win today, and I did think we'd win today. And I think it's a bit of a reality check for for me and probably a lot of Arsenal fans. Um, I don't think I don't think it's like a seizing and ending defeat or it suddenly means we're, we're a really, really bad team. I think there's still huge positives and um, there's still a number of things that you can not so not necessarily take from the game, but you can take from sort of the sea. If you, if you take this where we are now in the season as a kind of a, a reflection point, there's just so much to work on. Um, mm. But there are still a number of positives. So I'm still fairly optimistic that we can do something this season. But um, I think, where two games ago I was kind of thinking, oh yeah, I think we've got a right good chance of getting top four this season. I think now that that expectation's been tempered slightly. Where I'm sort of thinking, I don't think we'll be better than United this season. I don't think we'll be. I don't know about Spurs. A bit of a weird one, the Spurs. And I think West Ham. I don't know if they can maintain it. Then fair play to them. But they're absolutely flying, and they just seem to keep seem to think with the West Ham they're going to slip up, and they're, then they have obviously. But you know, them beating Chelsea is a bit of a. Um, a bit of a uh, um, statement from them. So um, I think, I just think when, when it's only one uh, Champions League place that we're going for, like that everyone's going for, I think it's going to be really, really tough. So for me now, it's more about progression from last season and like top six, I think is, is, is the target and, and a cup I think would be nice, obviously. Mm. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Aaron? Yeah, I think, I think I learned a lot, and not learned a lot, but I my concerns about Arteta have reemerged to a certain extent, which was I thought he did this a bit at the start of like last season, and yeah, especially maybe the first couple of games as well. But 
you know, there were mitigating circumstances at the start of the season anyway, where he just made weird decisions that were just either him overthinking it or trying to be too clever or trying to maybe, maybe had some kind of ulterior motive. And he, he almost stopped doing that for a bit. And, you know, he went through, like we were quite clear on, you know, who our best team was and he started playing that team and he stuck with that team. Um, but today I just felt like he really, you know, pretty much got everything wrong. And actually when you start making bad decisions and then, you know, the doubts emerge about, okay, well, has he really figured out how to get this team to attack properly? Has he really got this midfield working as it should do? Um, again, I'm still fairly confident on the defenders that we have and the defense we've built, but is that coming at a cost of maybe not having a, a fluid attacking system? And that's where I have my concerns. And, you know, the only, like, I, I want to say excuse he has is that the, the striker situation isn't ideal for him. And, you know, if he does get a striker in and when that, it might not even be this January, it might have to be next summer. You know, can we wait that long for this to fix itself? Do we have to give him till next summer or, you know, how long does he have to get this attack firing? Because if it carries on like this, we're going to, we're going to start dropping a lot more points. Does he have one more excuse in the big central midfield signing that he made um, that he could probably say as a, as a rookie coach that, do you know what, if I need someone to really know who they're doing, you know, what they're doing, if, I, if, I, if I'm going to put money on someone really, really understanding what it takes to kind of lead a team or, or run a midfield or run a game, I'm just, I've, I've signed this one ready-made pro from Atletico Madrid. Um, does he have an excuse in thinking that that guy is just now, I think, unequivocally Arsenal fans are united in saying that he's just seriously underperforming? Mm. What do you what do you think, Raj? Because be interesting. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I look. I thought against the United game. I think what I said then was that the big concern for me is that it's not even that he's inconsistent over a season. It's not that he has one good game and a bad game and a good game and a bad game. It's just this this whole. It's just he's inconsistent during the game. You know, during the game, he's yeah. going, he's, he's every, every game, he, he's doing things which look really good and then being, and having moments of just being terrible and that's happening every game. And that was my concern against United. I'll take it a step further. You know, it's funny, really, isn't it? Because before this game, he seems to have been given, gave an interview where he was really reflective and honest and he basically turned out and said, well, I rate my I rate my career at Arsenal so far as four out of ten. My performances is four out of ten. I'm, I'm like, okay, well, so you realise that you know you, you you're not you're not playing well. And then and t today was that's one of the worst performances I think I've seen from him, and that and that says something. I, I don't think I don't think there was anything that he did today that I thought was really good. I thought he was he was doing all the absolute nonsense things that we we almost kind of were shocked by against United. It, he was doing them consistently today, just silly passes, miscontrolling the ball, just bad decisions, no leadership. It's not progressing the ball in any way, not dominating that midfield in any way. Basically, consistently putting us in worse positions than we were when he received the ball. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I, I, to be honest, like, I think... Geez, I mean, you know, fine. There's a lot that... There's a lot, personally, there's a lot that I, I do... As I said right at the beginning of the episode, there's a lot that I do blame Arteta for. 
in terms of today's performance. But, mate, you can't legislate for a player of that experience. At the, at the peak of his career, you can't legislate for someone being that rubbish. That was but one then, of the worst performance. Yeah, I, I agree. He's, he's been awful. Yeah. Um, I don't think Jacker was that good today either. Um, but then isn't that on the manager to deal with? You know, we've got... I saw a stat today that, you know, Ainsley Maitland-Niles had that man of the match performance against Watford. Since then, he hasn't played a single minute. Um, you know, Lokonga, I'm not Lokonga's biggest fan, but he's been playing reasonably well over the last couple of games. Uh, could he have come on today? Um, so, yeah, the, you know, ideally you do want your, your £50 million signing to perform and not just perform, but perform at a high level, especially when we need our midfielders to step up. But that's still on the manager, ultimately. That's the reality of football. It's it's a hard one for Arteta, isn't it? Because, like, I, can't, I, I, I yeah, the AZ mate and Niles one is a bit of a weird one. Um, but it's kind of like what you said about Aubameyang, um, Aaron, and where you can't really legislate, like, you, no. you can't um, legislate for Arteta dropping him. I guess... Arteta's probably feeling like he's as bad as he's been playing. Maybe after this game, he might think differently, but as bad as he's been playing, he's almost like not undroppable, but without Xhaka, he prob- probably was undroppable. Like he probably doesn't want to go with yeah. the midfield of Maitland-Niles and Lukonga, for example, um, in a game like tonight. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, look, just in party in general, like, yeah, you guys summarized it and it feels like this is like every game now where we're saying the same things about him. I mean, like even the goal, their, their goal came from that throw in. Yeah, like mm. it's just ridiculous, and like I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and I'm, I don't don't know if this is what hap- uh, happened today with the throw, but Tavares when he takes the throw, in, have you noticed that he absolutely like he chucks the ball like at serious pace? At, <laughs> no. Have you not noticed this? Like the way he no. throws it, like I'm not going to do it, yeah, but like we had Bellerin who couldn't take a throw in. This guy seems to be kind of similar. He can take one legally, but um, yeah, he, he throws it with a fair bit of force. And I don't, I don't even think he did today because I think Party was like a couple of yards away from him. But that, that's, it's like, it's that, that has literally cost us today. That poor pass back to Tavares, and like, it's not a difficult thing that he's had to do. Like, it's bloody basic for a professional footballer to just like take a touch and pass it back, or first time. Just, just, I'd rather he'd knocked it into Rosette because that would have probably mm-hmm. meant they didn't score. Like, so, um, and he still he had another one of those shots today from. Uh, like 500 yards like i don't know why why he thinks he's he's capable of of, of scoring a, a screamer every time he gets the ball when we're like trying to build up play um and yeah everything you said raj about just like passing and putting us into danger he puts us into danger so much like it's really worrying it's more worry like it's just worrying every time we see him play he's like dallying on the ball he doesn't realize there's a man around the corner about to tackle him and yeah like pa- really bad passes in central midfield that are just opening us up so I don't know like it's it's kind of like Southampton at home at the next game is a game where you feel like okay you've got to play him again and hope he kind of plays himself into some form and and kind of dominates I don't know who Southampton would have in central midfield like Ward Prowse and Romeo I think maybe I don't, I don't even know who they play in central midfield anymore but um like a home game like that you'd, you'd want him to start but at the same time again similar to Bamiyang if he got dropped you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't be too upset I wouldn't be upset I wouldn't be upset at all I'd be really happy to see like Maitland-Niles and Jacko or Lokonga you know a combination of those guys so yeah re- again like we said this last time right just extre- extremely worrying like, I don't know what's going on with him 
But Aaron, and do, well, you think, do you think part of the problem is that with Arteta, he can turn around to Ober and say, well, look, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's well in his 30s, I need to transition away from him, whatever, you know, so I can maybe get away from drop, with dropping him. And he can look at Pepe and go, I didn't sign him, not my player. Like, mm-hmm. I never wanted him. It's his issue that Partey was his big player. It was his, his first real big signing. It's the one that he chose to spend that summer pursuing, 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 not going for an alternative. Well, we assume so, and, and get mm-hmm. and on deadline day. Do, do you think because of that, he's he's putting himself under more pressure or not more pressure, but is he more reluctant to, to drop him? Because if he drops him at this age, you know, he's at, at that peak. It's difficult, isn't it? Because, because, you know, you're basically, you're basically, you're kind of saying I give up to some degree. Yeah, it's, it is a tough one. I think that the tricky bit is a bit like a Bamiyang uh, is that the drop off in on paper quality between Partey and everyone else is quite big. Obviously with Partey playing like he is now, actually bringing someone like the Congo or Ainsley mate and Niles on probably wouldn't be so bad, but then it's almost, well, if you do drop him, you almost admit defeat and saying you're not going to get the best out of him ever. Same with the Bamiyang, right? Um, that when you do drop him, you're saying like, well, we're just going to have to settle for what's next, mm. next best because we can't get the best out of him. And, you know, the irony is actually, I was thinking when you mentioned those players, all three of them are going to be gone in January for the um, African Cup of Nations. So <laughs> um, yes. we're not going to have Pepe. We're not going to have Partey. We're not going to have a Bamiyang. So, you know, we'll, we'll find out very quickly how good we are without them. So, but no, I, again, I don't, I wouldn't drop Partey for that, for a very similar, similar reason why I wouldn't drop a Bamiyang is that I almost think that it's at the stage now where we need to play them into form because the alternatives just aren't there. But given African nations, can you see can you see us thinking, well, well, actually, what's the point in trying to play them into form if they're going to go in January anyway? Ooh. No, because we have a lot of games between now and January. Well, I don't know when they go off, but like we have that busy Christmas period. Yeah. Probably, what, between, between them, we've probably got six, seven games. Mm. Um, that could make or break the season. I mean, it's going to be tough when they go anyway, but at least then you'd, you know, you'd maybe hope the other teams around us will also have a few players missing as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, we desperately need Thomas Partey to find form. No, we don't. And I think the only way... I don't. He doesn't seem to me to be the type of player who will respond well to being dropped and coming in and playing a blinder. I think he he just needs to play minutes because he's been injured as well, been in and out of the team historically. He just needs to find that rhythm and find it quickly. Agreed. Look, uh, and I think we're, we're going to have to wrap up in a second, but just before we do wrap up, let's very, very quickly think about Southampton. Look, I guess one of the, the good things is, is that our home form still is pretty good. I mean, it's, it's a way that all of these car crashes seem to be happening now. Um, what, what, you, what do you guys think? Do you think we will bounce back against Southampton? Go on. Mark. have to. I don't want to think of the alternative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I can see us winning. I am massively concerned that the performance isn't going to be there again. Um, so I can see us getting the result um, because I think you know we're, we're a better team than Southampton. I think they're kind of struggling down the bottom of the league, aren't they? Or sort of fifth bottom or something like that. Mm. So um, you know, I think yeah, definitely can see us getting a result. I'm not sure it's going to be convincing or you know the the kind of performance that we all feel like 
that we we need and that we are hoping that we're going to get um it might just be a case of let's get a win and get the confidence back going into the west ham game i think which is after that could be wrong um which is obviously a huge one so yeah like i yeah i it, it feels like it is that i thought today was going to be that to be honest on the back of um united i thought today was going to be you know go and get the win and yeah get the confidence back get the morale back up and then um sort of season kicks on again and that hasn't happened so I feel like this this game now on Saturday is it's another must win but it's a must win for for the same reason that we just need to we need to get three points again and and uh, get the season back on track yeah what about you Aaron yeah, yeah I'd agree I think the like I said the alternative not winning is a big big concern we, we absolutely have to go and win and you know in terms of the wider context of the season, I know straight after a defeat, it's you know very easy to think, okay, everything's rubbish and we're going to finish eighth. You know, we beat Southampton, we beat West Ham at home, then I think the table will look a lot more favourable to us. And, you know, just as we can drop points, you know, everyone around us, maybe except, the, except West Ham, I still think have the ability to drop points out of nowhere. Um, Man United could still do it. Tottenham could still do it. And the the team that finishes fourth is going to be the team that manages to put a win, like a, a run of wins together consistently. Um, and so far, I think West Ham have shown that they're most likely to be able to do that, especially if they're now capable of going and beating the bigger teams. Mm-hmm. Now, if they can do that come January, February, with Europe still going on and stuff like that, that will be really interesting. But again, we we just need to find form, put these wins together, and we still have the potential to have a good season. The big doubt is, well, if there are more performances like this in the system, then it's not going to be a question of fourth or fifth. It could be a question of, you know, seventh or eighth. Completely agree. And to be honest, I don't think I've got anything to add from those. I think it's it's a must win. I'm just very, I'm, I'm, I'm really worried to think about the alternative. Um, Look, I think we'll leave it there. It's been a pretty long episode, this one. I felt like we, we had a lot to get off our chest. Um, <laughs> I hope we can all sleep better. I mean, if anything, you know, even if this isn't a good list, a good listen, this has been decent therapy for the three of us, right? So let's... Yeah, uh, recurring theme. Yeah, let's, 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 take, <laughs> let's take the win in that context. But anyway, look, thank you, everyone. Thank my, Aaron, and thanks, obviously, as always. And thanks, everyone, for joining in. Appreciate it's not always nice hearing and and reading and associating yourself with Arsenal after a defeat, let alone two back-to-back defeats. I really appreciate you joining in and listening to our conversation. Um, Take care and let's hope for a good result against Southampton. See you, boys. Cheers, Rod. Cheers, boys. See you, bye.